I'm Ellen Sentier, the Heartful Badass Coach. Being badass is about being the real you, being strong, feisty, confident, knowing your own truth and walking it, feeling the fear and doing it anyway, with a heart full of joy and boundaries that really work. I learned how to be the real me through telling and writing stories, and now I'm a best-selling author as well as a badass psychotherapist and coach. I tell stories a lot in podcasts and blogs and in the coaching programs I do. Being authentic, living your own story, that's being the real badass you. And being real badass is being full of heart, caring. Because we've lived through all that shit, haven't we? So we know it in our bones and we really do truly feel compassion. So come on. Let's do some badassery. Let's change ourselves and watch the whole world change around us. Let's make our lives, our businesses and our hearts sing. Well, hello everybody again. Um, another Wild Insight. And, well, I'm not going to say any more because Robin's got a fantastic quote, which absolutely is going to set us off for today. And this is a quote from Robert Bly, and it's about being wild. And he says, to be wild is not to be crazy or psychotic. True wildness is a love of nature, a delight in silence, a voice free to say spontaneous things, and the exuberant curiosity in the face of the unknown. And when I first came across that, it was just, yes! That's exactly it. That's exactly what wild, true wildness means to me. We often think of wildness and and the way that it's used in society, isn't it, is often yeah. that crazy and psychotic and messy and and it's it's used in a negative kind of yeah, commentary way, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas uh, working with animals and being out in nature, yes, it can look a bit chaotic at times, but there's always a method in its madness and Animals, wild animals aren't the crazy. When we see an animal and we label it as wild because of its behavior, that isn't its natural behavior. That's its imprisoned behavior. Yeah. That's its, I'm caught in a corner and I am, I'm in fight or flight. I'm trying to survive. Yeah. But if you look at animals in the wild, they're always conserving energy. Yeah. And if you look at prey animals, they rest and they get into rest quite quickly yeah. because they know that it's not good to expend energy unless you need to, because you want to hold it ready for those times when predators here, right off we go or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely. So a lot of the time wild is actually very, very peaceful. Yeah, that's my feeling, too. And I love that about the imprisoned animal, because for me that's what the, this week has been very much about freedom for me and people have been coming to me and saying why well, just saying it to robin earlier they say i want to work with you because you always seem to be happy and robin said to me so we're not sure that happiness is quite the right word but it's okay um perhaps it's joyful because, of course, I have bad days. We all have bad days. And it can be for all sorts of reasons. And it's just not a good day. But inside me, I still feel joyful. And I do that, at least I feel I do that, because I'm free to make choices. And I know I can make choices. That it's okay to make choices. And... I'm not going to be, well, even if somebody tries to cut me off, it's just like, okay, that's your way. This is mine. That's fine. Because we always get to choose our responses when we are conscious, when we yes. sometimes we're caught in reaction, aren't we? Because buttons get pressed. And even saying we're having a good day or a bad day, that in itself is us applying meaning to yeah. something. Yeah. And we do it. Being Brits, we do it with the weather. Oh, yeah. oh it's a miserable day. It's yeah. a beautiful day. It's just a day. 
And having moved to Wales and having horses and a dog who needs a lot of walking, I get outdoors every day, no matter what the weather is, whether it's blowing a gale or it's tipping it down with rain or it's snowing or whatever. And I have found that that has done me so much good. It's done so much good for my mental health, my well-being generally. You know, it's the movement, it's the fresh air, it's the natural light. It's made such a difference to my life. Whereas previously, when I lived in the city, I lived in Bristol, and it was just, oh, it's grey outside, I don't want to go out today. Yeah. And I made the choice to stay indoors. Yeah. And now I still have that choice, other than that the animals then wouldn't get fed and I didn't wouldn't want to do that. But I know that getting outdoors has helped me. Yes. That's not to say it's for everybody, but it has helped me. And because I know that, I have that choice. Yeah. And I think it's that consciousness, it's that awareness that we have choice and that we put meaning on things. Yes. Things just are. The yeah. day just is, whether it feels like a good day or it feels like a bad just day, rain. just it's is a day. Just snow. It's and we, hot. we could just say, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenging day. Yeah. Today, I've had a lot of challenges. Today has really tested me. <laughs> but that doesn't make it a bad day. No. It, no. Those are some of the best days when you look back and think, oh, gosh, I learned so much on that day. Or that helped me to grow. Yeah. That revealed so many things to me. And if I hadn't had that conversation with somebody, and if we hadn't disagreed about something or another, yeah. um, actually, I mean, it happens to me sometimes, is that I I know the person better because we've gone and said, well, I don't think like that. I don't agree with that. And then they come back and, you know, we're okay about it, but we're both feeling quite passionate about our own stance. And I think in that we learn more about ourselves as well Mm -hmm. as about the other person. And I have two horses here. One of them is the sweetest, beautifulest, terrible English, mare. And she's lovely to be around. And I have learned things from her, but I've learned so much more from the gelding, who's a challenging teenager, I would say. He has attitude. <laughs> oh, he has attitude in spades. But he he teaches me so much more. Yeah. And that's the thing. They don't teach us about themselves only yeah. or even mostly. Mm. What they teach us mostly is ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, when he presses my buttons and I say, oh, gosh, there's another button. I wonder what that's all about. Yeah. It's yeah. that comes back to what Robert Bly was saying, that curiosity. And I love curiosity. I Previously in my old existence, it would have been, oh, that's bad. And that's I don't like that. And that's wrong. And But now it's just, oh, that's interesting. In- I wonder why. And it's sort of like. Why did I do that? What made me, what what you know? She only said your hair looks rub, looks a bit rubbish today. What's up? You know why did I suddenly? Go, <laughs> oh, where did that come from? And then you think, what happened? You know what what why did that come from? What was that about? That I've got. Um, I live with a cat, as most people know. And other end of the size scale from horses. You know, she's only about this big. But she has attitude. But she do, don't they? Cats are amazing. She is particularly so. I've always had cats. And the last pair of um, girls that I had were much more gentle than she, although one of them was quite feral, but she was much more gentle. Whereas Kellen is sort of like, and? And um, I learned so much from her because she will demand something of me oh she'll want to like there I am I'm trying to get some work done with a laptop on my lap and that's quite the wrong laptop of course for me to have at that moment I should be having a small black furry one there you go and I've tried plugging the tail in but it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) but so she'll come along and she'll oi Uh, I've got to do some work why now? And I've got to do this work. I've got to finish this now. And sometimes, like, you've got to finish this email or, you know, you're just doing some accounts and you can't get off the bank for the moment because then it will, you'll have to go all back in again and all this kind of stuff. And you have to say, look, no, give me five and I'll be with you. And I know I'm saying it to a cat, 
And maybe some of you out there would sort of say, oh, the cat doesn't understand. Though I think most of you were saying, yeah, we know that one. Um, but I'm also thinking, what if that was somebody on the phone or somebody who came to the door? Mm. Or somebody else came in the room? And how would I say that? Would I say it the same? Because I'm, I'm not rude to the cat. It's like, I have to finish this now. Give me five. Can I do that to a person? And yes, actually, I can. And that's part of the like freedom of the choice. That like, not now. Love you. Love to see you. All that stuff. But right now, I need this. I'll be with you in five. Mm. And. I feel that's a choice a lot of people don't feel they've got sometimes. Which, what do you think? I think quite often we don't feel that we can say no yeah. for whatever reason. And it'll probably be something in our history that we've tried to say no in the past and it hasn't gone well. Mm. Or we've tried to stand up for ourselves and to be authentic yes. and in our own sovereignty our own true nature and it hasn't gone well mm. and so it feels threatening even to try to do that again it feels scary it feels vulnerable it feels exposed yeah yeah so absolutely i think that's quite a common thing i posted a while ago about being able to say no and i had quite a few people responding and saying that it really resonated with them yeah yeah that, that was either somewhere that they'd been mm. And they could understand exactly what that feels like, or that was somewhere they they currently are. Yeah, yeah. I've had the same thing, and I'm not really sure why. I think it's probably always been there that people feel they can't. I know one thing that happens for me is that even when Kellen Cat gets really cross with me, and she does every now and again, I know she loves me. And I absolutely know that in here. And so I can sort of say, not now, you know, stop. I need the space. And she'll go off and she'll sometimes look a bit huffy. And cats are very good at looking huffy. And <laughs> it's okay. I know she hasn't stopped loving me. But I know in my past, I've had times when I've sort of said, not now, I need the space. And the person hasn't spoken to me for a week, yeah. particularly when you're a child or a teenager. That sort of thing happens, but it's a very child and teenager thing. But when you are one, you don't know that. and <laughs> You can't respond with the experience that we now have. And when somebody turns off from you, shuns you, it feels as though that is almost putting a cage around you in a sense that you've got to behave like this or I won't talk to you. And I, I get what you're saying about animals because this is the thing, that's why horses are often used in equine-assisted therapy because mm. people then can see that a horse will get angry with another horse mm. and they'll come at them with a little nip or a bit of a kick. Mm. And if that other horse doesn't listen, you know, they'll ramp up the volume. But then when the other horse listens, they walk off and then they come back and they're best friends. Yep. And they'll be grooming each other again. Yeah. Because they don't have, we have a cerebral cortex as human beings. And supposedly that makes us more intelligent and more creative and all of these things, but it also gets in the way because it can mean that we hold grudges, we hold baggage which animals don't tend to do. They tend to, tend to stay in the present moment. So your cat, you say, no, not now. And she goes off and she sits in the corner and she looks a bit huffy. Mm. Five minutes later, she's kind of forgotten all about that. And she's back going, can I sit on your lap again? Yeah, I'm not sure to say she's forgotten about it. but she, No, she'll put it aside. We, we both have this space thing. That, you know, this is my space now and this is my space now. And I can get in her space and I'll come along and I want to cuddle and I get, mm, mm, not now, from her. It's quite a, it's quite a definite meow sort of thing. Like, I don't want it. And, oh, sorry, and move back as you would with your friend. But then she knows when I've got the space and when I haven't. Sometimes she wants to be in my space 
although she knows I haven't really got it, but her need is quite strong. But then we have that with each other as well, don't we? I think cats <laughs> cats are so sensitive and cats are so good at picking up on energy that isn't as it could be yeah. when we're not very balanced. So if we're stressed, I'm thinking, I've got to get this, like you give the example of a bank thing, you want yeah. to do your statements, whatever it is, and you're thinking, oh, they will pick up on that. Yeah. And I know from when I had a cat before, she would always pick those times. You've been on there too long. Come on. Yeah. 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 Or she would come in and she had this way of just sitting there, which meant put that down, go for a lie down. I want to lie on you and we can snuggle together. Yeah. And they're so good at that, that they're so good. No boundaries. We're stopping now. Yeah. 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 And I find that that really helps because um, I'm sure everybody feels like this, that you, you, I want to do this work. I want to get this finished. I want to get this done. And actually, you're getting more and more like shut in your head because you're just like on a treadmill and you're not actually able to think so clearly. So you actually do need to get up and walk around the garden or, you know, have a cup of tea or do some washing up or cuddle, lie down and cuddle the cat. And you will feel better and you will work better after that time. And that's us imprisoning ourselves. We're shutting yeah. down, shutting down. But I think as well, certainly for myself, it comes from past experience where, like for me, I remember being brought up and I always had to like do my homework before I could watch telly. Yeah. So it was always do, or as a friend of mine calls it, eat the frog. Do the stuff you don't want to do. Get that done. Get it out of the way. Yeah. But when you get to being an adult, there isn't that set time of, Homework, finish homework, now you can play. Because there's always stuff to do on your to-do yeah. list as an yeah. adult, isn't there? And there particularly is. if you run your own business or anything, it never stops. Yeah. And consequently, we might never stop unless we set up those boundaries. And if we don't do that, we're shutting our world down smaller and smaller. We're not free and we're not able to make those choices, able, even able to see those choices because we yeah. become so... As a colleague of mine calls it, foveal, just so blinkered <laughs> and so focused yeah. on the thing we think we have to do. Yeah. But then there's the question of if you didn't do it, what's going to happen? What's going to fall apart? Yeah. If you had to put it aside, can you come back to it or will it even matter? If your house was burning down, would you still be doing that <laughs> because you have to? Or would you be making a different choice? Because exactly so. And I've, this is a sort of freedom that I think is yeah. people don't understand properly. And yes, there's the freedom to go out when I want to, um, freedom to meet who I want to, this kind of thing. Yeah. And that's very necessary but it's this freedom we give ourselves isn't it the have inner freedom myself mm. in here um am i still living someone else's script which yeah is a prison uh, i don't need that script anymore you know i don't need to finish my homework before i can watch tv mm -hmm. um and even if we sit with that and think how does that feel because mm. i love just getting into your body and how does that feel? Like just listening to what you've just said. What does it feel like that I have to do this? What does it feel like? No, I've got freedom. I get to choose. Yeah. And that sense of liberation, that sense of I sometimes think of it like this big, wet, ugly, smelly, horrible, heavy overcoat. Yeah. That's restrictive because it's not mine. It's somebody else's, like you said, somebody else's script. And when I can take that off, that sense of liberation and freedom yeah. is just incredible. Yeah. If you think of, even I sometimes think to say to people, take a bag, backpack or something, and every single thing that you, you know, is on your to-do list or whatever, put a pebble in that bag. Yeah. And initially it doesn't feel very heavy and you're fine, I can carry this all day. And then, oh, it's beginning to get quite heavy and my shoulders are getting quite sore. And then you take it off and it almost feels like you float. Yes. Because it's that it contrast. up, don't you? You, you, you? It's that sense of expansion. Yeah. That you suddenly, 
you don't realize you've been standing like this and you can't breathe properly. Your heart is closed. And then all of a sudden, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's that thing as well of we don't realize how good we really could feel. Yeah. Partly because it's probably such a long time ago since we did for many people, particularly nowadays when everybody's got so much stress and so many things that you really do have to do if you still want to eat or have a roof kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's really sort of hard. But I'm really amused by the backpack idea because um, it's something that I've actually done with um, students and clients when they've come on retreats. Mm. And because my retreats are always out in the wild in the country somewhere, and we don't have to camp out there, but we'll go out there and walk in it. And so everybody's got some kind of day sack that they bring. And so we will, I've actually done that exercise. Mm-hmm. And sort of like the night before, what are, what, are the, what are the limiting factors that you feel? And so you put a pedal in for each of them and then pick up each other's backpack and feel the difference in weight. Quite often there isn't that much difference in it because everybody seems to carry a lot. That okay, tomorrow you're going to carry that all day, plus your food, plus you know your, bo- your bottle of water, and plus a raincoat in case it does. Oh. Okay. Right. Well, what do you actually not need for tomorrow's walk that you could take out of the sack? And, of course, it's all the pebbles. And it's such an exercise to do with people because it it makes it physical, makes it real. And tangible, yeah. yeah. Very much, yeah, yeah. And it's only, oh, there are all those limitations that I thought I needed, all those things that I thought I needed to do, had to do. Actually, I don't. And tomorrow... You know, I'm not going to have a chance to answer my emails. I'm not going to have a chance to look at the bank. I'm not going to have a chance to do this. I'm actually going to be out by the river watching the herd of deer on the hill across across from me. And it's it's almost like it's like gets that idea of freedom into you. You do not need to carry these things. Some of them you might want to pick up again. You know, like we all need to pick up our bank account now and again and um it's important but you don't need to carry the fear of am i overdrawn at this minute am i overdrawn at this minute am i overdrawn at this minute with you all the day or even all the week so it's like putting things in putting things in their place does that make sense mm-hmm. and that's i think what animals do i think because so. they can just put something down yeah i don't need that right now and your cat might decide to pick that up again. She's still got the wrong laptop on her lap. And I just need to remind her about that. Excuse me, it is my turn. <laughs> yes. But in between, yeah. she can go off and do other things, Yeah. whatever she yeah. likes to do. Yeah. And it must be the same. I mean, I haven't had horses for years and years and years, but I've got friends who do. And it's the same with your horse. Times they actually want you around. And the but go away. I'm quite enjoying being under this tree. I'm quite enjoying this grass, you know. Oh, very much. Whatever. Particularly the mare. If she doesn't want to be around you, she'll walk away. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm just I'm just having my own little space here. She loves her own space. Yeah. So and I think maybe she was a cat in a previous slide. She'll just go away, spend some time, and then when she's ready, she'll come over and she'll ask for a scratch and she'll let you know where. Whereas the boy, he just wants in your face all the time. He doesn't know even to walk away, even if he's getting anxious because of his trauma yeah. from the past. He's he's quite traumatized. Yeah. But he doesn't know that he can walk away if he's anxious. Yeah. He, he does know now that if he's anxious, he can come to me, yeah. which is nice because you get the sense that he feels safe. Yeah. with me yeah. and if he's anxious he comes to look for that safety yeah 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 i think that's so important too and i think a lot of people people sort of think oh you've been traumatized if you've just come back from iraq or you've just been in an earthquake or your boat sank underneath you or something like that yes you will be absolutely but there are 
oh, that doesn't matter. That wasn't really important. You know, I scraped the car. Actually, it hurt you inside and you worried about things and, and concerned. And it isn't something that you can brush off without actually taking it through its own process. And okay, it's not on the same level as an earthquake or something, but it has still affected you. And so I think, you know, unless something is this big, perhaps you're not allowed to be affected by it. And there's the, and oh, that's nothing, you can get over that. Yeah, and we do, we've we been taught that, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, when I was a child, it was about starving children in Africa. Mm. You yeah. have food. Yeah. You know, don't complain, you have food to eat and it's good food think of the starving children in africa and other comparisons that yeah. would have been made to to and it, i can see why my parents my teachers etc did that because that sense of proportion is good and to be yes. thankful for what you've got is good mm -hmm. but at the same time if you are upset about something if something has impacted on you and hurt you deeply it's important to recognize that it is and we do, because of the conditioning we've had, we minimize. Mm -hmm. And then we don't appreciate and acknowledge the upset mm -hmm. and the hurt that we're feeling. We push it down. Yeah. I'm not supposed to feel that because everything actually in my life is so much better than in everybody else's. And my trauma is is so much smaller than everybody else's. But the trauma I've experienced is the trauma I've experienced and it's exactly. impacted on me. And, and as Gabor Mate says, trauma isn't what happens to you, it's your response to what happens to you. And he also says that trauma, the trauma that we think of as trauma, so the things that you talked about, the, the impact of a war or domestic violence or something like that, that isn't trauma. The real trauma was what happened when you had a disconnection yeah your very first disconnection which was probably with a caregiver and yep. it wasn't their fault yep. but it, they were parenting probably the way they parented yeah they, they were giving parenting the way they had received parenting yeah and i look back now because i'm writing my book at the moment and thinking of things that my dad did and suddenly going oh my goodness he probably did that because he didn't get the appropriate support from his parents so one example was I was watching Lassie Come Home, you know the movie? Oh, I remember it. The age away movie, Lassie Come Home. I cried buckets at that movie. Yes. Because it was an animal and she was, hurt. well, it was a male dog apparently in the movie, but she was hurt and she, you know, all of those things. And she was so amazing and my heart was bleeding and I was bawling my eyes out and my dad came in and he yelled at me. And he would say things like, don't cry, stop crying, or I will give you something to cry about. That doesn't make sense. If you give me something to cry about, I will cry more, not cry less. Yeah. So I was in fear, yeah. plus confusion, yeah. plus didn't know how to respond, and having to push down all my emotions. So putting me in a box and yeah. you know, feeling like I couldn't be myself. Yeah. And that disconnected me from him but it also disconnected me from me yes from my true nature and that's what Gabor Mate says is the true wound we're disconnected from our caregiver but it makes us ultimately disconnect from ourselves yeah. because we don't feel we can be authentic coming back to the saying no yeah. because if we are we'll lose the attachment we'll lose the care that we're dependent on yeah when we're that age yeah. and that's what makes us vulnerable to the Thing that we think of as trauma the domestic abuse and and all those other things but it really does depend because i have a colleague who was held up at gunpoint didn't bother her because she'd been on a retreat i can't remember where she was somewhere overseas she'd been on a retreat and had learned so much about herself and done so many things to stand in her power and then she got held up at gunpoint and she just used that power yeah. But because she managed to rescue herself in that situation, it wasn't a trauma. Yeah. Because she processed it in the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And she hadn't disconnected. No, she was completely connected. 
totally connected. She yeah. was reconnected exactly. from the traumas that she'd had previously as a child or whatever through that retreat, yeah. which meant that the holding up at gunpoint, that's a breeze. Yeah, yeah. So it's very much where we are, our awareness of choices, whether we feel stuck in that box or we feel that expansion Indeed. that we can actually stand in our power. So are we disconnected or not? Are we free or not? And being free is about that being connected again. And I come from this witchy magic shaman background, as you know, people on here know. And one of the things that is in all of these magical practices is what's commonly known as a soul retrieval. Well, an awful lot of that is actually about when this thing has happened, like happened with you and your dad and Lassie, and you disconnected from the part of you that was hurting because of Lassie, because of the film that you were seeing, because of what you were seeing. Mm. So that part was just like, gone, disconnected. You need to cut it out, yeah. And what we do, and I, I do this with clients and I've done this as a psychotherapist as well, is you help them to bring that part back and reconnect to it because it wasn't wrong to cry about a film. We've all done it. And actually it's really good for you because it really just brings out your humanity, your your whole natural self <laughs> that can connect with everything else. But we do disconnect from the bits that we've been told yeah. somehow or another. Don't do that. Wrong to do that. And, you know, I remember this, uh, my parents never actually said it to me, but I know people who did. It's like, you stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. And which is, this, whoa, you know, hang on a minute. That's sort of really. But then is that what his parents said? Exactly. Then? Well, it will have been, almost certainly. And I can understand okay. why a parent might think that was a good thing to do. Yeah. Toughen you up. Because my dad said to me, it's a big bad world out there. So that helped as well. I felt so scared about this big bad world I was going out into at some point in my future. But he was, I expect, trying to toughen me up so that I had the resilience mm -hmm. to go out there. Yeah. But I love Brene Brown, who talks about not armoring up, up not puffing yeah. up, yeah. having a strong back, a soft front and a wild heart. Yeah. Because otherwise we do go out there in a suit of armor and it repel you know, people can't get in. No. They That's... can't get into our heart and it's it's heavy, it's restrictive, it's not free, it's a cage. It's, it's a, a cage. mobile, maybe, but it's a cage. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I I quite agree again. And I you just what you were just describing there, the suit of armour and getting into it. And yes, I mean, I've done it myself. We've all done it. And it reminds me of, um, I did quite a lot of work on alchemy as a sideline um, amongst friends when I was at university and then later. And one of the pictures in the old alchemical books is there's the male, masculine in a black suit of armor on a black horse like this and the female the feminine side is white naked on a white horse and the whole point of that is like sometimes you may need this most of the time you'll need this but you have to understand that it's the two sometimes you do need to defend yeah. i'm not saying you don't you do but again, we're back to the choices. Do you know when you're needing to defend? Do you know when you've accidentally put the suit of armour on when you didn't mean to? It's that flexibility and resilience, yeah. isn't it? And, and choice, like you say. So knowing I have a toolkit, I have spanners of all sizes and shapes yeah. and lengths. And I am the one, as the engineer, who's able to choose which spanner for which job which tool for which job yeah yeah and use them appropriately i don't need a sledgehammer to crack a nut <laughs> no indeed and 
I think that's so important. And when, again, we don't have, we're not given or shown or educated with a toolbox for that kind of thing. We might be educated in a toolbox for mathematics or something or doing history or English or whatever. And you think, well, yeah, it's really interesting and fun. And I, I like doing that in my spare time. But it'd be really useful if I had this toolbox that knew how to respond when somebody shouted at me for crying in a film. And if you think that they say we have a, a short window in which optimum, it's not to say that we count later, but in which we can learn language. Yeah. And if you have parents who have different languages, home, you know, first languages, then you can be bilingual or yeah. trilingual if you yeah. live you know, with mum speaks one, dad speaks another, and my I live in a culture that speaks another. Yeah. But that's the optimum window for that. Yeah. So that's when it's really good to learn language if you get that opportunity. But is that not just a physical, uh, an emotional language to learn how to, to speak that? Why don't we get supported in that, in that optimum window? Yeah. So that we then have those tools. Yeah. So I think it's great that now kids are learning mindfulness, they're learning meditation, they're given options so that they know they have choices. I love that there's a video that goes around every so often with a teacher sitting by the doorway to the classroom and she has this sign up beside on the like the door side, door frame. Do you want a high five? Do you want a fist pump? Do you want a hug? Do you want a just hey, wave? What do you want? It's your choice. And you can have a different thing each day. You can change your mind, whatever. But it's your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Because so often for kids, they don't have a choice. Come in, sit down, read that book. Do that math problem. Yeah. Or, you know, stand up because the teachers come in. Sit yes. down. And you go, why? And you don't know why. And somebody says, it's being respectful. And so you spend the whole of your life afterwards sort of jumping up and down in chairs <laughs> walk yeah. in and out of rooms really <laughs> they used to they used to indeed and um it it the emotional things that we need to learn like this is really affecting me this is really hurting me or i'm so happy about this i'm absolutely over the moon about this you know um i, I saw a woodpecker today or something and it's absolutely blowing my mind well it's only a bird or even that I'm both. Yeah. Because so often we think, I can't be two things at once. Yeah. I can't be happy and sad. Yeah. And I see that in the, a lot of the work around grief and grieving, and I'm sure you've seen <laughs> it do. as well, where yeah. somebody has died, a very close, very loved person has died, and I laugh. I shouldn't do that. Of course you can do that. Yeah. 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 We, we are all of this mix and match of emotions yeah. and they can come up randomly and if you laugh that's fine if you cry that's fine if you sit quietly that's fine yeah. just whatever you're feeling it just is and it's fine it is uh, you made me remember um when my stepmother died it was really i had her far far longer than my mother so i had two mothers in a sense and we were there i was there my husband we were starting to go through her things and do this sort of thing and I took her checkbook out of the drawer and where she kept it and it's like and I suddenly burst into tears it's a checkbook but there was so much I can't even explain it but that just made me burst into tears and then another time we were sorting through some other stuff and something that I read in one of her old letters I thought well should I keep it or not and it suddenly reminded me of jokes she used to tell and so I told Paul and we were both there cracking up again about mum's jokes and it was absolutely fine fortunately both of us well by that time we were okay with anything like that and so we felt that was a real celebration of her we're remembering you. It was great, wasn't it? We're remembering you. That was great, wasn't it? And, and even then, the sadness, it's uh, just another expression of your love for her. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it makes you cry. And yes, it hurts. Yeah. But at the same time, it's an upwelling of love. Yeah. Yeah. Even and though you're crying. Also, I won't be able to do that with you anymore. Yeah. 
you're fine, I'm fine, but that's gone. Yeah, but but I enjoy that. I love that, and I'm gonna... I just I do. It's something that I find when I'm helping people find themselves, stand in their power, do this sort of thing, and we can go through memories, and particularly. I love doing it when we're doing the tell your story work and people come and they've got something that really hurt and that's the memory that they need to be working around on this this particular journey and they get into something which somebody was telling me the other day it's called this 90 second rule you've got 90 seconds to get over it and I was there so like uh, no, not with me. No, I don't think I work that way. And there's no, as you were saying, there's no re-experiencing of the person. There's no allowing the upwelling of love. There's no allowing the upwelling of of sorrow, of shame, of pain, of whatever it was, and actually letting that through, and then saying thank you, and being able to as I put it, put it in the compost caddy. Because it, you've done it, you've had it, you've thanked it, and you can now let it go. But then things have gone, and they're not lurking in some deep place. Well, you only gave me 90 seconds, so I'm going to come out to now. Um, yeah, because 90, it's another form of prison, isn't it? You will have this limitation. It's mm. 90 seconds, or you've missed it. Exactly. And what do you do with it if you've missed it? Because you can't say, I don't think, I don't think it would work for me either, that you have to do it within 90 seconds. And I think there, you know, uh, we used to have one year back in Victorian times, the yeah, widow would dress in black for a year, she'd wear all of her jet black jewellery and all of that stuff. And in a sense, that was good because you had that year and people would respect. Yeah that year and your needs within that year yeah and then you moved on with your life you moved forward with your life and there is a place for that I think I do uh, and it gives us that time maybe maybe it worked in a sense that we were allowed to experience all of those things to work through all of those things within that year mm. whereas now you don't have that time mm. and kind of You've got support and people around you and maybe bringing you meals and stuff up to the funeral. And then everybody drifts back to their own life Yeah, because we don't have that mourning period anymore. Yeah. So you just are expected to kind of fit back in when you're ready. Yeah. But if you're well, not you're ready, you don't get that chance. Immediately. You know, that, that's over. The funeral's over, so you can be, you can be normal again now. That's closure. That's it done. Move on. And it, it does not work like that. And you will end up with back of those pebbles again. Mm. You're still carrying those pebbles of the things that you hadn't quite finished in 90 seconds, probably hadn't even started in 90 seconds. Well, this is the thing with the funeral, because you're so busy and it's still also fresh and so raw that you get to the funeral and that's your kind of, yes, it has happened. It's your reality closure, but it's not your emotional closure. Mm. You're, that is when your emotional stuff starts because yeah. you've been too busy and you've had too many things to do and you ha couldn't even get your head around it up to that point. Yeah. But that's the point at which people drift off back to so you lose end. the support and you, or you can do, and it's we don't allow enough time. And so, as you say, we imprison ourselves in this time. You've got to have done it in your ninety seconds. You've got to have done it by this time. You. Done it by the weekend. You'll be all okay on Monday. <laughs> and life doesn't work like that. And nature doesn't work like that, as we both well know. And animals don't work like that either. And, and they, they allow time, which can be quite short, but they do give themselves time for a change. And I think it's shorter when we give ourselves the time. We think this is because we don't have a dead, we don't have a time scale, we don't have a timeline of knowing when it's going to get better. And this is the same whether it's grief or disease. And maybe we're yeah. treating grief like, well, we do sometimes treat grief like a disease, don't we? But we think that I just need to be better. I need to go back to work on Monday. I need to be better by Monday. 
rather than thinking, I just need to take whatever time and space I need, which is what an animal will do. They'll just go and curl up in a corner somewhere and sleep a lot and take that time that they need. And then when they feel better, they go back to doing things as they feel ready. But we just push ourselves so often. And then we don't get better. And we think maybe, oh, I'm feeling better enough and I'll just carry on. But then it's the pebbles again. They come back up, don't they? Yeah. You're starting carrying all these pebbles yeah. and you're ending up, you know, the whole health thing is sliding downhill, the whole mental health thing is sliding. Mm-hmm. And you end up, because it's never been dealt with, the second round of it makes it worse. And then the third round of it. and you... Because it's it's cumulative. We haven't disposed, we haven't got rid of the first load of pebbles. Yeah. We just added more and then yeah. more. Yeah. 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 I, that's just so important to me I think that we need to allow ourselves choice and be free enough of, I do not need to do this because somebody told me or because I read it in a book somewhere or because my coach said and you know I don't care how good your coach is even if it's me or even if it's Robin <laughs> so we're not likely to say it um, that you you give yourself time you allow yourself to say, am I ready for this? And if somebody says, oh, come on, yes, you are, of course you are, and you don't actually feel that, do you actually say, no, I'm not ready for it yet? I, I had a that... when I was driving, I was, I was doing a refresher driving course. I hadn't driven for 20-odd years when I was in London because of no point. And um, so I thought, oh, I'm going to have a few lessons just to remind myself where everything is. And we were driving along this road, and the instructor was a bit of a twit, really. Um, but he was okay, I managed. And we came along, came to this corner, and he said, oh, put your foot down, this is a 50-mile-an-hour corner. I said, not for me, it isn't. He said, yes, it is. I said, no, it is for you, not for me. And it, nobody had ever said that to him in his life. <laughs> and um, so needless to say, I was not whizzing around it at 50 miles an hour at that time because I didn't feel I could. And that is part, it's such a little thing, you know, it's like, oh, he's just, he's just helping you. He's just, you know, cheering you up, telling you you can and you're good enough. And you think, yeah, but I didn't feel it. And there is a certain amount of place for you can do this. Oh, but yeah. at the same time, it kind of goes back to that thing we were talking about before about respect. And it's us respecting ourselves and us finding the ways If we have been through situations that have taught us not to trust ourselves Mm. and to not pay attention to how we feel and what our instinct and our intuition is telling us, Mm. how do we get back? And you were talking about soul retrieval. Mm. I love Neil Donald Walsh talks about remembering. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've been doing that for years. Bringing back in. Yeah. Remembering, reintegrating. Members back together. Yeah. Putting all of the parts of ourselves, all the members of our body, back, spiritual body, whatever, back together again. And I think we, if we are struggling with that, if we're struggling with connecting in with ourselves and knowing what's right for me as an individual, not what I've been told and not what society's conditioning says or anything else, not what my driving instructor is telling me. (laughs) But me, I'm the one in the driver's seat. Yeah. I am the decider on where to go, how fast to go there, what is right for me. If I want to pull over and take 10 minutes to look at the scenery, that's down to me. But if we don't feel able to do that, that's the point that maybe it will be good to reach out for help and not, not to be ashamed of that. Absolutely. I was just feeling the same thing as you were talking. And also to say... I was talking with some women on another podcast about how safe it can be to go for coaching, to go for counselling, to go for help. And I said, do go for the chemistry first. I don't care whether they've got alphabet soup after their name and a degree from Harvard or whatever. But if the chemistry between you works, the rest of it probably will. And Nobody who's helping you in the sort of jobs that Robin and I do will ever push you where you don't want to go. 
And instead of sort of saying, go on, put your foot down, it's a 50-mile-an-hour corner, and say, well, it certainly can be done. Do you not feel ready for that yet? Do you want to give it a go? Should we go back and do it again? Try it again? Which is such a different way of saying it. And I've written a blog on tips for finding a practitioner that you want to work with, and it's exactly that. It's look for the person that you feel safe with. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't feel safe right from the outset, you can't bring your stuff there anyway. Yeah. You can't explore. And it's where we don't feel safe, where we need to explore. Yeah. So we have to have somebody who will hold what we feel is a safe space for us, yeah. who we can connect with, who will hold that connection for us until we're ready and able to do it. So somebody who can show us maybe that it can the corner can be taken at 50 miles an hour, but not expect us to do it on our first lesson. Yeah. Exactly so. And it's that kind of feeling that you need to have with somebody. Am I safe or are they going to make me scared? Yeah. And there's a difference between feel the fear and do it anyway, where it can be quite exciting. And when you think, no, 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 and you go all rigid and stiff. And if you have somebody who's going to be there going, not go on, put your foot down, do it. But let's do this together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's make it fun mm-hmm. and let's do it together. I know it's a little bit scary sighting. Yeah. But it's also fun. Would, we would you like to try it? Shall we swap seats and I'll show you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're a good driving instructor, they explain what they're doing and when they're putting their foot down, when they're taking it off, or the rest of the stuff that goes with that. But you're feeling, oh, actually, that wasn't so bad. I didn't realise that was 50 miles an hour. I didn't realise that's what 50 miles an hour felt like. Yeah. I had an idea of 50 miles an hour, and I think my idea was like 500 miles an hour, and actually it's nothing like that. (laughs) And you want a counsellor or coach who is going to be like that, and let's, let's do it together. This is a journey we're going together. Yeah. And we're going together as equal partners as well. Um, because I think if if somebody's in the role of practitioner, coach, therapist, whoever, mm. they're still another human being. Yeah. They they might have alphabet soup, but and they might have experience that's different from mine. But I'm the only one who knows my body and my experience and my emotions and all of that. So I'm my expert. Yeah, they're expert on what they do, but I'm my expert on me. And that when that comes together and works together, that's, I think, where the magic lies. It does, and that, that magic of expansion again. Sort of like, oh, I've never done it like that. Well, should we have a go? And it's, oh, well, you know, maybe I can. Never eaten Chinese food before. Well, I'll give it a try. <laughs> and also a coach, therapist, who will listen and if the person says actually that doesn't work for me okay absolutely yeah what would yeah what yeah. would you feel happier with safer with mm-hmm. do you want to break it down into steps do you want to go in a different or even like, what was it that feel what was it that feels scary mm-hmm. or bad or whatever for you and but not say it in a sort of overpowering sort of way but it's like Tell me about that, because I don't feel like that. So can you tell me so I can know? It's the curiosity again. And it's not the the why question, because that can come across as being judgmental. Mm. But just tell me, Mm. how is it for you? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Mm. And what would work for you? What would be good for you? What would support you? What do you need? Like you said, it's not the why. Why question can be quite accusatory in counseling. They certainly can feel that way, even if they're not intended that way. Yeah, and indeed, and it's either going, I don't know why. Yes, um, yeah, rabbit in the headlights. Absolutely, rabbit in the headlights. I, I, when people ask me that kind of question, I do tend to go rabbit in the headlights. Um, if you say, "What was it about that that wasn't working?" and it's sort of the what. Is much more useful in that situation than the why. Yeah, the curiosity question. That's really interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about? Yeah, 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 indeed. 
And once you can get to that state, then you get to feeling free. And then even when it's pouring down the rain outside and you've left the washing out and the cat or the dog grub is even worse, comes in sopping sopping wet and covered in mud all over the floor that you've just washed. Just washed, of course. Of course. Um, It's like, really? Okay. What do we do now? Do I even bother to clear it up or do I actually just wrap the dog in a towel and cuddle? And you, you have this choices that are not, I ought to clean that floor again. And the, 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 whatever it is that presses the buttons that yeah. makes you angry, if that's the reaction, and that's fine. If, if that's the reaction that comes up, that's the reaction that comes up. Anger is just an emotion. It yeah. just is. But then what is it? Get curious about my own anger. Why? What made me feel angry? What button did that press for me? Why did I respond that way? Did I need to respond that way? Is there another option? Yeah. And Quite often for me, because like you were saying earlier about joy and having choices, if I find myself doing that, I look like I look inside and go, well, where's the funny side of this? Yeah, yes, definitely. Talking about this now, we can look at, oh, do you remember that day? It was pouring outside, the wash was hanging on the line, the dog came in, covered in mud and just walked all over the floor that I'd only just cleaned. Yeah. That's a funny story. And it is a funny story. And, and, and it might not feel particularly funny at the moment yeah. when I'm in there. But if I can take a step back and go, you know, this is a really funny story and I'm going to be able to tell my husband when he gets home and we'll have a laugh about this. Yeah, 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 exactly so. And it's, again, it's distance. You're not in here. You've got a bit of perspective. And freedom gives you that. And choices then, and as soon as you laugh, the whole thing changes anyway. It does. So we recommend freedom. We do. And you want to finish with that quote again. I think it'd be nice to take it full circle. Let me just bring that back up again. I can. Yes, it's from Robert Bly, and he says, To be wild is not to be crazy or psychotic. True wildness is a love of nature, a delight in silence, a voice free to say spontaneous things, and an exuberant curiosity in the face of the unknown. And I love that as well, where he's talking about the unknown, because so often we can be afraid of that, can't we? It can feel scary and frightening, but when we can know actually that if I'm wild, I'm okay. And Brene Brown talks about going out into the wilderness, which is the unknown. She finishes off by saying, but we are the wilderness. And I think we talked before about the storm, didn't we? We did. And that we are the storm. That is our power. We have that level of elemental power and creative power. Yeah, we do indeed. (laughs) So from Wild Inside... Go out into the unknown next month and we will see you when we come out of the unknown again. Bye for now. Bye for now. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that. Hope it pulled out some new ideas and new ways of looking at life, the universe and everything. And I'd love to know your comments, so do send them to me. Doing and being badassery is fun. It makes your heart sing. And that helps everyone. And it helps you put the soul back in your life and in your business. Business, when it's really working, is fun, full of badass reality and makes your heart sing. So let's stick all those rubbish old work ideas of toil and drudgery in the compost caddy. Let's recycle them into something fun and useful. That's what badassery is about, having fun and being useful. If you'd like more, get on my website, www.ellensentier.com. Sign up for my newsletters and check out my lives and vlogs. Let's get to know each other. Let's get together, have fun, grow your life and make your heart sing. Let's be real. Come on, let's light our fires. <laughs>